his penis turns into like chopper blades. Okay, so he's going nowhere near my genitals. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm Arden. I am Will. And you're listening to Crash on my Crash on my couch. A one-stop shop for anyone in their 20s trying to figure things out. Yes. This week we explain why shy panty sniffers love Japan. How to shop for penises. And on top of that... Um, my brother killed my gerbil by accident. I still can't forgive him. We're getting weird this time, guys. Hi, everybody. We're back. We're back. We're back. I'm Arden. And I'm Will. And this is Crash on My Couch. Crash on My Couch. So the first episode was a bit of a get to know us episode. So so now that you guys know that we're maybe cool and, a little ridiculous. Cool and hip. Oh. Oh, obviously cool and hip. Yeah. Uh it's time to get a little wild, you know? Let's be wild for the night. Fuck being polite. <laughs> so personal updates before we uh, get into this. Yeah. How have you been, Will? What's going on in your life? I am good. Nothing exciting has happened to me this week. So that's all I can give you. How are you? What have you been up to? I love how we're asking each other what we've been up to. When, I know exactly reality, what you're up to. But people, people don't. This is true. This is very true. See, we know exactly what's going on in each other's lives because we live and sleep next to each other. But since you do not live and sleep next to us, we have, you know, mostly just been packing because we're heading to London this weekend. Yeah. And then we're out I'm of going back home. You're going home and I'm coming with you. Uh, which should be very, very fun. But packing for London can always be a little bit crazy. Yes. Also, I'm just terrified of border control. So I'm just like slowly accepting the idea that they're going to kick me out of the country. <laughs> Maybe. But you know what? It's going to be all right. I think it's going to be fine. We'll be good. You know, just send a little prayer my way to make sure I, I don't end up in Amsterdam because I'm kicked out of England. Although Amsterdam's awesome. So I wouldn't be too sad about that. But your mom does make a great Sunday roast, and I would miss out on that. <laughs> so, that's great. You know what country I wouldn't get kicked out of, though? Or maybe I would. What? Japan. Japan. The only reason why I say I wouldn't get kicked out of Japan is because Japan's such a crazy, amazing country that I feel like they accept you love Japan. most people. Yeah, no. I mean, I love Japan, too. We have yet to have gone, but... We still need to go. Yeah. But I'm obsessed with Japan yeah. and Japanese culture. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I am I am definitely a weeabo, which I think is a derogatory term for white people that are too obsessed with Japanese culture. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm one of those people. I'm terrible. I just, I love Japanese culture. Although <laughs> I tend, I try to be very respectful and not be super overtly obsessed with Japan yeah. and like draw manga eyes on myself all the time. I like, have, like cat ears. Yeah, I don't wear cat ears all the time. I think we're stereotyping Japanese people now. But how crazy would it be if we end up going to Japan and, and we, we, we get out of the plane, we get out of our gate, and everyone is wearing cat ears? Well, then I guess, yeah, we preempted it, I guess. I wish. That's what I'm hoping for now. <laughs> um, but either way, this is basically my attempt at a segue into our first segment, which is, What the Fuck Japan? What the Fuck Japan? In this segment, we're going to learn all about the weird but amazing shit that they've been up to. Yeah, because Japan is a big place, and we we don't. I don't feel like we hear enough about what goes on in Japan. No, no. and so we're going to enlighten you people because Japan and Japanese culture in general is such an interesting place. Yeah, there are duality. I was talking about this yesterday. There are duality between very strict, rigid culture and pretty much being able to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like, if you want to walk around dressed like a doll 95% of the time, you go for it. I imagine Japan must be quite an overwhelming place if you are English or not from Japan. Because everything is in Japanese. Yeah. If you don't know Japanese... You're pretty much screwed. You, you are not going to know where you're going. No. Uh, my, my dad, apparently, when he was younger, got lost in Japan. That's amazing. And because people didn't have phones back then, like Google Maps, he literally was lost. Because all no one spoke English. Oh, yeah, English all, is not the regular dialect. All the there. signs and everything was in Japanese. And, yeah. like, the Japanese language couldn't be further from 
the English language, and the way it looks is just so different to well, anything no we're dis- expecting. Yeah, it's characters, so there's no way yeah. to distinguish it. You so, can't phonetically figure. It. Like if you're lost in Italy, you yeah, can find Latin exactly, roots. exactly. Yeah, it's like you, yeah. you you don't really have a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's definitely a crazy place. It is, and they've got some wild cultural norms there, which is kind of what we're talking about in this segment. So so we're basically going to talk about. The yeah. oddities of Japan, the weirdness, and the wonderfulness, obviously, at the same time. This yeah. is all wonderful stuff that, honestly, I wish that we had here. So one of the number one things that I think is is amazing about Japan and, and the stuff that kind of makes me want to move there is the amount of vending machines they have. Vending machines. Vending machines. Right. And I know when you think of vending machines, you're like, great, they have vending machines. So what? You can get a, an interesting Coke that has... Japanese characters on it. But no, these vending machines, they are ripe with possibilities. They're ripe with possibilities. Yes. Um, At at their most mild, there there are vending machines that just have bread in a can. In a can, right. So, you know, if you're tired. That's helpful. Yeah, you're tired. You always want bread. In a can. Yeah. I feel like that would be kind of nice. Maybe, but then it's so squished down. Is it like that type of bread... Is it American where you, like, bang it on the table and, like, it unravels? Okay, now those are croissants, and you have to bake those. Right, okay. And those are delicious and wonderful and very buttery. Is that – so that's not what it is? No, because I don't think they have a – well, I don't know, but there there could be a vending machine that also just How is an oven. How else you get it out? Just like, no, it's already pre-baked, babe. You just pull it out. It's literally a cylinder of bread. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. Um, but let's continue on because that is not the weirdest of okay. the vending machines that we have. The next one – is one that is very gross. I mean, you know, to each their own. But I think in general, used panties are not something you would generally mm. need straight off the street. If you're if you're one of those people that feels the urge or gets a hankering for some used panties, Japan is the country you are meant to be in. Where do they get, dare I ask, these used panties from? This is that's the best question you could possibly ask. And are they pay well for used panties? I'm assuming they are. They are because I've heard tale of people like sending in panties for a certain amount of money. I think I think it's probably about like fifty to a hundred dollars per panty. Right. Yeah. Depending that's, that's on the condition. That's like a, a fetish, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I think it's something where a the women are paid well. If they are even women. I watched a music video where they were parodying the panty vending machine. Yeah. It's a terrifying sentence. And it was a man running, like sweating on a treadmill in women's underwear and then selling that underwear. Right. In Orange is the New Black. Similar uh, thing. Yeah, that similar thing where in prison she was getting all the inmates to wear panties so she could sell them online. And she would like, wouldn't she change all the listings to make it seem more appealing? Yeah. So same thing, and she was running a panty ring. Yeah, so we don't know if they're if they're women's panties. They could be. They could be anyone. They could be prison panties. They could be a dog wearing pants. I think there's a distinguishing. Right. Well, I don't yeah, want to prob- go into probably detail. Probably not a dog. But but, but yeah. we know. I think there's a distinguishing factor in the panty use, used business, the used <laughs> panty business. Yeah. So so yeah, there are used panty vending machines. Imagine being the guy that has to load them up. <laughs> you go to that machine and like you have like a bag of ten. And then you have to kind of just, like, put them in all nice. By size. Make them look cool. Yeah. Ooh. No, thank you. Um, on a lighter note, they have vending machines that just have hot cup of noodles. Hot cup of noodles. Hot. hot. How do they keep them hot? I don't know, what but they're crazy boiling. technology are they using over there? I guess it's similar to, like, those gas station coffee dispensers where right. you press a button. I see. And it'll make, like, a cappuccino for you. Like, a shitty one. That's But it'll cool. make a cappuccino for you. I think it's, like, a similar thing, but it's a cup of noodles. I like... That I can get food without talking to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes sometimes you just want to like buy food and not, not have, have to have any conversation with someone. So I like that you can be like, mm, I want some noodles and I don't want to talk to someone. How can I do that? And you can. The machine. You can. That's so funny. Okay, so Japan is an introvert's delight. Yeah. And apparently a panty sniffer's delight as well. An introverted panty sniffer, which is probably a very common thing. Yeah, like, you know, if you're feeling it, you pick up some noodles, pick up some pants, have a great time. <laughs> you do it all in one. You know what? And on top of that, if you're feeling extra romantic, you really want to treat yourself, there are bouquet vending machines. Right. So you can pick up some noodles, mm-hmm. tuck in some noodles on the way to the panty vending machine, yeah. grab those and some flowers and... Treat yourself. Got some have conflicting nice smells <laughs> It's a romantic night in. It's an agoraphobe's paradise. <laughs> and to be honest, our narrative is only going to get better because you can also get 
just sake in glass cups. Right. So just alcohol. So after some good old panty sniffing, you can <laughs> you can cool down. Have a nice sake. dessert of some sake. Yeah. Or yeah, you can you can drink a little bit. You get yeah. a little drunk. Have a little fun. Or do it before anything, and then you've got a fun night ahead of you. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? I'll add one more. Tell to me, that. I'm ready for I'll it. Add one what more else we got? This we have created an amazing character yeah. in our heads. Um, there's also porn vending machines, like pornographic magazines. You can buy pornographic. So like the porn manga. should come before the penny sniffing. So thing. here's here's the route that you take. Also, I'm assuming they're sniffing pennies when I. I'm assu- I don't know what they you might do. wear them. Do you wear used panties? I Maybe know. I don't know what the fetish is. That's like a new level of. Wow, that would be interesting. I mean, I don't know why I <laughs> That's went... caught you off guard, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I went straight to panty sniffing. I don't know what that says about me. Yeah. So so the the route we're taking now is you go get ramen, you get a little dinner, you have a little drink, then you grab yourself some flowers because treat yourself. And yeah. then you're like, you know what I'm feeling? Some pornographic magazines. And then inspired by the pornographic magazines. You're looking at it and you're thinking, you know, I really need... You know what I would love? Yeah. Some dirty panties. Some dirty, dirty panties. Some soiled panties. That's what I want. And then when you get it, pop the flowers down in a vase. And just have some fun. Yeah. See where the night goes. You can also get sliced apples in a vending machine. Sliced apples. I don't know how that relates to anything. Maybe that could be a snack in between that porn session you clearly set yourself up. (laughs) And sushi. And sushi. You know, it's a whole thing. And toy cars. These are all vending machines. The the question I have is... Are they all in the same place? <laughs> like, is it easy? Is there like is a there hangout like, spot? Is there like a mall just of, of vending machines? Of things oddly so specifically next to, next targeting. To the noodle machine is a panty machine. I mean, if it is, that must be a really interesting group that hangs out around that area. Yeah. Because I feel like it's so specific, there can only be one purpose for Combine going them at there. the same time. Yeah, and some poor kid runs up to go get some ramen noodles, and he's like right in front of like some terrifying agoraphobe who loves panty sniffing yeah maybe not terrifying he's just doing his own thing yeah you know i can't judge anyone for their their porn habits who knows what you're into so if you're into sniffing panties japan you go japan's the place do it okay since we've talked your ear off about weird stuff from japan i thought we'd broaden our horizons a little bit and talk about maybe my my favorite weird topic which is conspiracies so let's take a little trip to Conspiracy Cam. All right, hit it up, Will. What conspiracy you got for me today? So, uh, we are going to be looking at the hollow earth theory. Ooh. Let me guess, the earth is hollow in that theory. The earth is hollow, and there might be people living inside it. So I'm already infuriated about this. Um, can you give me any, like, backbone to this theory? Like, why why do people want to believe this? Well, there is no backbone. Good. Because it's <laughs> highly unlikely. Maybe even impossible. Probably impossible. Actually, definitely impossible. Because there is magma and a core of the Earth Listen, which will babe. kill everybody. Now, counterpoint, have you ever been there? That's true. Listen, have you ever been to the center well, of the no Earth? Well, no one's ever been to the center of the Earth. Or have they? I think I just got converted. You did. Oh. See, that's the thing. You know, what is at the center of the earth? We have suspicions, but do we really know? Yeah, that's a good point. So Nazis, that's what you think. So Nazis, apparently. Along with, and I'll I'll put a list out of potential things at the center of the earth. Okay. The original Garden of Eden. (laughs) Oh. Lost tribes of the Israel live. The political kingdom of God is located there, as well as the lost Viking colonies of Greenland. The vanquished Germans... Um, after World War II, have escaped there. Flying saucers come from there. Flying saucers come from the center of the Earth. Yeah. That makes absolute sense to me. People live to be hundreds of years old in perfect health, apparently. So also elves. Yeah. So elves are also at the center. Peace and prosperity exist for everyone. And apparently, it's where heaven is located, the inner sun. You know, uh, part of me really wants to take a trip to the center of the Earth. Wouldn't that be so crazy, though? Like, if this entire time we were just like, Man, what's out there? What's going on? And then just underneath us, we had just this whole world just sitting there. We always thought we needed to go up and out, you know, explore space. But did we ever really explore ourselves? Did you ever see that film with The Rock and, like, Vanessa Hudgens? It's called, like, Journey this to the Center of the World. already is making me not want to go see that movie. We should, but we should watch it again. Journey to the Center of the Earth? Yeah, I think that's what Do they called. find the Lost Vikings? There's, like, dinosaurs and stuff. Oh, I remember that movie. Yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. Okay, so wait, question, though, going back to the conspiracy theory. With all these people, I gotta say, I love the idea of a utopia, but none of those people would get along. 
Like there would be a there would be like World War Three at the center of the earth if like the Garden of Eden, Nazis, Vikings, heaven, and like Rivendale was yeah. at the center of they're the like, earth. They're like they're not yeah, this is very conflicting. Like the heaven is there. Heaven is there and but the Nazis political kingdom are also of God. There. Although, to be honest, this is probably all white supremacist, like, conspiracy theorists that, like, want all of this to be at the center of the Earth. Well, the interesting enough, like, the unifying, like, thing at the center of the Earth is meant to be just kind of, kind of this utopia where it's just, like, green, luscious forests. And why are Nazis and, like, allowed there? And, well, I think the Nazis thing is bit... probably even more far-fetched than the idea of... Right. Okay, like, so let's only like, extreme people right. thinking about the Nazis. Okay, those people are crazy. Yeah. So let's stick the Nazi theory a that's, bit out. That's on one side. Okay. So we're gonna go for the fun utopia the, side. The commonality, yeah, is this kind of utopia okay. inside the earth. So wait, do the then do the Vikings get to be there too? Because they like raped and pillaged. Let's I, push them over with the Nazis too. I think we should move them. Okay. Over. Can we keep the elves though? Because you know my ultimate thing in the entire world is that I want to be. An well, elf. there were no elves. No, no, but you said like people live for, for a really long time and they're like really nice and stuff. But that and those are elves. No, that's not true. They're elves at all. Only no. elves live for. They're just old people living down there. No, I want them to be elves. Maybe they're not people down there. Maybe they're just animals down there. <gasps> Animal people, centaurs. <gasps> centaurs. Oh my god. Yeah. My ultimate fantasy. So it's just a lovely utopia full of centaurs. Oh my god. But that would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? If like. I mean, that yeah. That was a thing. <laughs> yeah, Imagine it would. if you were like, oh, shit. I didn't even realize. Well, like, it's oh, crazy. Whoa. This like, changes our whole concept of the world. Oh, fascinating. Like, that would be mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, there it would be mind-blowing, which is why it's not true. <laughs> it, there is absolutely no I'm way. I'm going to look more into this. Maybe I'll take an excursion. Take an excursion? Yeah. You are Start kind digging. of an avid treasure Start hunter. digging. Yeah. Honestly, I'd love it. You know what you would be? You'd be the equivalent of me in fifth grade trying to dig a hole to China. Mm. <laughs> you will be living my childhood. I would love a segment on the show just talking about treasure hunting <gasps> and the conspiracies behind that. Guys, let us know if you want to hear that because we we do talk about treasure hunting quite a bit, don't yeah. we? My goal is to be a treasure hunter. Well, maybe you can find the lost utopian city at the center of the earth. Yeah. Is there a name for it? Like Atlantis, but not Atlantis. Let's call it utopian okay yeah that works oh, okay go and give me a better one um i think you just need to name it the core okay and it's just like a spinning metal ball of light and when you get into it then like everything e- it like equilibrializes. well you know they say that like the core of the earth is like for people in this utopia is like their sun did you know that? Oh, so wait, what part are you standing on then? <laughs> are you standing on like the outer, like yeah. there's an outer shell? The earth is hollow, dude. There is <gasps> nothing inside the oh, earth. Oh, from... wait a second. I just figured this out. Okay, so you're saying that like literally the surface of the earth is maybe like a hundred feet thick, but past that, it's just like another yeah. earth on yes. the inside that's like flipped. Yes. Inverse earth. That's what I'm saying to you. It's called inverse earth. Inverse the earth. Uh, wow, that blew my mind. I kind of got a little confused, and I thought it was like the core of the Earth was a planet, like you were standing on the core of the no, Earth. No, 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 no. no, you're standing on the outer edges of the Earth. The core is the internal sun. Yes. And I don't know how far people have dug before, but like it can't be that deep, right? Because the pressure of everything of the Earth would just be too much. So then I, I need to look that up. I mean, I need to I double think, check that. I think people have dug pretty far. Yeah, I think people have gotten there, but the pressure, you're right. Like, if you go underwater too far down. I mean, this is why any of these conspiracies can continue to live on, because there's no way to definitively prove that there is not a utopia at the center of the Earth. Because to do that, you would have to dig to the center of the Earth, and that's nigh on impossible. Like, we don't have the technology to do that. Apparently, the deepest borehole on Earth, which is SG-3, reached... 40,000 feet in 1989, and it's the deepest artificial point on Earth. Artificial point. So I wonder what the deepest... I'm telling you, it's in the ocean. It has to be, like, in the abyssal plains, or, like, one of those crazy deep ones with all the fangy fish. It's got to go deep, deep, deep well, down. the fangy fish. Yeah, the fangy fish. Okay, yeah. actually, so the... From what, what it's looking like, and I might need to clarify this, but that the Mariana Trench... It is apparently one of the deepest places in the world, and that's 36,000 feet. Oh, so we've dug artificially deeper than we've been down in the ocean. Oh, the Challenger Deep in the Mariana Trench is the 
deepest known point in the Earth's oceans. In 2010, the United States Center of Coastal and Ocean Mapping measured the depth of the Challenger Deep at 10,000 meters, which is 36,000 feet below sea level. But we, like, can't even get close to that because the air pressure that we that would be required for us to breathe oxygen would just fucking crush us that deep. Yeah. Like, we would I, just get crushed by the weight of the water. Yeah, and I also <laughs> don't think that's anywhere near, like... The deepest point. The, the core the of the earth. The fucking core of the earth. Like, it's nowhere near it. <laughs> no. So there's a lot of room to play with. Guys, Vikings. So utopian. Oh, wait, no, not Vikings. Push them out. The Nazis, the Vikings, they didn't make it. The core. The core. Is plausible. Listen, we'll meet you guys there once we figure it out. I think it's a really cool conspiracy theory. I like that conspiracy theory. I'm into that one because it's just like fantasy. You know? It's like it doesn't have to be bad if you get rid of the Nazis and the Vikings. I'm sure they're not like the Vikings might have been kind of nice, but definitely not Nazis. What if like it wasn't just our planet? All planets had an inside core, and like there were people living there, like people on the moon, like they're like moon <gasps> people. Uh, you should and, start like, a sci-fi novel and then turn it into a religion. Yeah, like inside Mars, there are people living, but we just can't see it. Oh my god, we could listen. We've honestly, been suckers this whole just, time. Stop talking because we need to say this, and then we're gonna make a religion out of it, and then we're gonna sell it to people, and then we're gonna make loads of money. Scientology. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty much exactly what Scientology is. So there you go. <laughs> what if our listeners are Scientologists? They are not. I will tell you right now, they are not. <laughs> if they are, they would be like banned from listening to our show. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for telling me about that conspiracy theory. That was thoroughly interesting. That's great. Yeah, I feel really like well versed on, on. It's a positive one, you know. Sometimes you get these conspiracy theories, and you're like, mm, I don't know if I want to believe that. That's upsetting. That makes me feel weird. But this is like, there might be a heaven under uh, our feet. Yeah, there is something crazy happening. I like that. That you know plays into my childhood fantasies. I like that. Yes. So now that we've talked about something utterly ridiculous and something that has no base in scientific research. How about we uh, shift that a little bit and talk about something uh, a bit more concrete? Yes. Let's switch it on over to our next segment. It's time for... Go Science! Go Science! Go Go Science! science. Um, And in this segment, we're going to talk about all the cool new scientific discoveries that are going to change humanity! Change humanity! And obviously, one of the most important scientific discoveries that has happened recently is one of the penile nature. Right. What a weird way to say that. Do you want to tell us more about that? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I've yet to have heard about the penile penile discovery. So basically, scientists are discovering a way to create artificial penises for people who have lost them. Whether it be in war or in some sort of other medical anomaly. Okay. Where you've lost your little guy. And you're like, this is very upsetting. Yeah. And I would like a new one, please. Yeah. I did not sign up for this. It's it's an actual thing. And I was reading on Reddit, actually, before we even started talking about this segment. And there was an Ask Me Anything, an AMA with a man who got a penile transplant. And it was really interesting. I think he might have suffered from burns or something. Or maybe he had a micro penis. I don't exactly remember the situation. Yeah. But they first of all, they grafted all of his skin from, like, his butt or something. Wow. Onto his brand new jaw. Isn't it weird that they do that, where they they take skin from, from other somewhere parts? somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, amazing. Yeah. So they, they graft it properly, but the inner workings, like, all of the tubing and the piping that you would expect to come with a, a penile penis. reconstruction is apparently a lot more complicated than you would think. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So, so in his case, there's a pump in his ball sack. Okay. I think it's in his left testicle. That's upsetting. I'm not even kidding. Yep. And in the throes of passion, you pump said sack, and there's an inflation. How do you pump a sack? It's literally like a squeeze. Pump, pump, squeeze. Like a turkey baster. <laughs> like a turkey baster. <laughs> Which is oh amazing. It is amazing if you think about so, it. So is it a, a testicle that he's pressing to do that? Yeah. So, but it's not an actual. It wouldn't hurt. Does it look like a testicle? Well, that's the thing. It's it's like a pump. You know how when a dog gets fixed, you can sometimes put fake balls in their balls so they still have balls. Yeah. Similar feeling, but human and not degrading like that because it's just an amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's an amazing advancement where instead of feeling like you are missing a part of yourself, you have everything. That's so cool. I know, isn't that cool? And and so you pump it up. Apparently, everything 
still works in short order. Yeah. If you know what I'm throwing down. Oh, I know you're throwing down. Um, I'm picking out what you're throwing down. Yeah. Finish him. Uh, oh. Oh, God. But, yeah, everything works. It's just apparently a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs> and, I mean, obviously this is something that is different from, from one person to another. I also read an article just now online. I think it was on the, the Wall Street Journal that was talking about how there's an even newer advancement that actually lets you have an actual transplant, not just a like a artificially pump, a pump created. Penis. Yeah, not a pump penis, but a real penis from someone else. Wow. And it involves but it involves taking out a large portion of your abdominal muscles because so much of your pelvis and your genitals is involved with the inner workings of your musculature wow. system. Yeah, so you have to basically get a full pelvic transplant. Which is pretty crazy. But my question is, if you're someone who's not well endowed to begin with and they give you an option for a transplant, do you get to pick? Do you get to walk down a line of like a couple different selections and be like, that's the one? The people are dead, right? Yeah. So. How morbid is that? I mean, that's probably the most upsetting thing I've ever heard. Like (laughs) you're walking into like kind of a a morgue of of dead penises (laughs) and then you're picking the one you want. And that's it. But, like, realistically, though, if you think about it, you'd want to have a choice, wouldn't you? You're stuck with it for the rest of your life. I mean, God forbid it gets blown off again. But you're stuck with it. So you want to make sure that at this second chance, the one time that you get to really pick how well endowed you are. Yeah. You want to make sure you get the right one. I suppose. Maybe there's a catalog. A penis catalog. A catalog. The other thing this is making me think of is, you know, like, there's that common thing where, like, on the internet there's adverts that pop up that say, like, penis enlargement. Right. So, first of all, is penis enlargement ever a thing? When have you heard someone say, oh, yeah, like, I just had my penis enlarged? Like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone ever say that. And second of all, now that this that transplants are kind of a, an available thing, are penis enlargements now a real thing? A thing. Or have they always been a real thing? You know, it's weird because I think there's, like, um, there's definitely an insecurity with someone who is missing... Such an important part of the male physique. Yeah. You know what I think is going to happen? Is people are going to start having pretty penises. Like, it's going to stop being this, like, weird thing where, like, women can go get labia surgery and boob jobs right, right, and right. butt jobs. And it's going to be one of those things where it's like, if you want a pretty penis, we're going to do something crazy to it and, like, make sparkles shoot out of it at some <laughs> point. Give a real show. Sparkles. It's like a glittery penis. It's a glittery penis. It's beautiful. And it also vibrates. Who knows? It does something. Wow. I wonder if you could do that, That changed the game for women. Yeah. If you just had, like, a dial, you could... It'd be like... Well, it's basically a dildo. So you could just have a dildo dick with attachments. It'd be like Go-Go with Gadget. attachments. Be Go-Go Gadget. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about having attachments on my penis. I would be weirded out if you had... I don't know. Maybe that's a fetish, though. Like a biotic fetish. Right. I don't necessarily think that's very fun, but I'm sure some people Maybe do. we should make that business. We'll call it Go-Go Gadget Penis. Or Bionic Balls. Bionic Penis Balls. I don't know. Mr. Bionic Penis. That's so good, Will. That's a great... And, like, the mascot for it is Robocop, but he's in the shape of a penis. It's just Robocop with a boner? Yeah. <laughs> or he looks like Inspector Gadget. Just with a rage. He's wearing like a long raincoat (laughs) and he just has like this kind of robotic hand penis. You know, like how Inspector Gadget has that thing, which is like a go-go gadget helicopter. Where he like has like chopper things which pop out of his head or something. Yeah. It's like that with a penis. So his penis. Ooh girl. His penis turns into like chopper blades. Okay, so he's going nowhere near my genitals. Yeah. Good oh, that's true. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun, would it? No. You you know what you just did? Could you, be a bad sex mistake. You just turned penile enhancements into a weapon. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm proud of it. I, could, I mean, that's it. That's I, the new weapon. That would be a hilarious comic Can you imagine if hero? James Bond had that every time he's having sex? Bam, you're dead. It's just got a gun? Yeah. It shoots bullets? Yeah, sound but deadly. Oh my god. We've really, we've gone somewhere. This we have we? gone somewhere, and apparently we cannot return. <laughs> so... There you go, everybody. If you ever wanted to get a penile transplant, apparently now is the time. Our business has not opened yet. We will not be selling biotic enhancements for you fellows. Just yet. Give it about two years. We need science to catch up with our amazing ideas. Yeah. But I got to say, that that's a pretty badass thing, though. Yeah. But you know what else is badass, Well, What? Um, tell me. Animals are badasses. Animals, Animals 
are badasses. Animals are badasses. Yeah, they are. And that's our next segment. Uh, we're going to go into basically everything amazing that has happened in the animal kingdom. In the animal kingdom. This week. And Will knows I'm obsessed with animals. Yes. I needed them to be part of this podcast because I spend way too much time crying over videos of dogs and cats. Yes. That sometimes I just feel like I need to talk about them because I have feelings and, you know, I'm a woman and I just, I love animals so much and I have hormonal, maternal feelings towards them. Yes. Um, but there are also those animals that have gone, gone slightly astray of the pack. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Right. Okay. National Geographic made an article about serial killer prairie dogs. Serial killer prairie, prairie dogs. dogs. Yes. Which, if you don't know what prairie dogs are. Yeah, I was going to ask. I don't think I know what prairie dogs are. They are meerkats, not as cool, fat cousins in America. Right. So meerkats are like the beautiful, graceful little rodents that kind of run around. Timon. 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 Exactly. Timon is a, is a meerkat. Prairie dogs are the fat equivalent of that in America. They get super fat, they eat too much, and then they just, like, kind of die. But apparently prairie dogs have a new MO. What do prairie dogs look like? Prairie dogs are adorable. This is what prairie dogs look like. Oh, okay. So prairie dogs look like... Like large ground squirrels. Yeah, squirrels or groundhogs or something squirrels. like that. <laughs> so, now, if if you live in the South, you know prairie dogs because prairie dogs... This is something an ex-boyfriend of mine used to do. Mm. He used to go out and shoot prairie dogs. Right. Be- <laughs> A, because we're Southern, and B, because they dig holes all through a farmer's land. And it, and it messes with the farmer. Okay. It makes horses break their legs. They're not good. So you kill them. And it's like a sporting thing. But apparently, prairie dogs have recently taken murder into their own hands. Right. So what I was looking at... They're renegade. Right. Prairie dogs. Prairie dogs. Basically, I don't know the distinction between ground squirrels and prairie dogs, but apparently there's a difference, and prairie dogs can sniff it out. Because right when ground squirrels, quote-unquote, reach, like, the prime breeding age, they've been mysteriously being murdered Wow. by prairie dogs. But not murdered... That's a very good question. We don't really know why. Because they're killing them and then just leaving them. Like as a mark. Like a Zodiac killer. Maybe they're like warning humans to stay away. I mean, maybe. Like, keep off my land. Uh, my name is Spike the Prairie Dog. Yeah. Well, it seems like the the main motivation is that the killer's offspring live longer and healthier because their parents bumped off their competition for food. Wow. So, so it's basically saying, you know what, Timothy going to the same private school as my son i'm gonna murder you so he does better in school interesting yeah you know you know what i kind of I kind of feel like a prairie dog looks like now is you know like tom and jerry uh-huh. there were those bad cats like they're the bad cats <gasps> and they were snapping in an alleyway and they're snapping in an alleyway and they have uh, zoot suits on like those big suits right. and they're kind of clicking so prairie dogs are the the rodent mobsters like of the, the world. yeah they, they're going around clicking with like big with switchblades and, like, yeah. back prairie dog hair. Yeah, yeah, And then if anyone messes with them, they take care of them. I mean, the other thing about this whole thing is that, I'm going to say this wrong, but inf- infanticide, basically murdering your baby, is right. common in prairie dogs as well. Okay. So when these researchers saw a bunch of, like, dead rodents laying around, they literally chalked it up to prairie dogs just killing their own young. And then they looked a little closer and realized that it was dumped bodies of ground squirrels. Dumped bodies? So they're dumped dumping bodies. bodies. Yeah, that's, this is how this article, this is how National Geographic thought was appropriate to say this. Like many murder mysteries, Hooglins, the scientist who was studying the prairie dogs, study began with a body dumped in a quiet landscape, the scrublands of western <laughs> Colorado, where Hoogland and his students studied prairie dog behavior with a devotion bordering on the fanatical. So clearly they're very interested in this prairie dog. Prairie dogs are just a bunch of sociopaths, aren't they? Yeah, well, okay, so I think we've kind of figured it out, though. Because when Hoogland, amazing name, when Hoogland studied the victims a little closer, they realized it was a Wyoming ground squirrel, a species that eats the same grass and prickly pears as prairie dogs. So clearly, it's actually crazy. These prairie dogs are distinguishing between species. Because they're not killing their own. Do they look very, very similar? They must. 
But for some reason, it's specifically Wyoming ground squirrels and not prairie dog young. Mm. So they know what they're doing, and they're slitting the throats of the competition. Yeah, they're, they're taking out the heads of the family. They are. And apparently there is... I'm going to end it with this amazing fact. Lay it on me. <laughs> She's laughing already. I, I feel like we're... This is word for word what National Geographic okay. wrote in this article. One prairie dog, nicknamed Killer Supreme, slew nine ground squirrels in a four-year killing spree. Another massacred seven juvenile ground squirrels in a single day. Wow. Killer Supreme. Killer Supreme. What would your serial killer name be, Will? Because that sounds also like a stripper name. Killer Supreme. Night Slayer. Night Slayer. Night Slayer. And I dress in all black. That's the most generic serial killer villain I've ever heard. Night Slayer. Night Slayer. And I would kill kill my victims just with a, a rusty spoon. A rusty spoon. Yeah. You know, you got to get creative with these things. A rusty spoon. Now, I have a question. Does the spoon actually kill them or does the tetanus No, kill them? I use the spoon to take out their eyes. And then the, the tetanus that they get from the rustiness yeah. murders them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The spoon has a... Uh, Micro-aids on it. And, like, perhaps I do it so quickly that they can't see who I am. And they just say, Night Slayer! And I go, Night I Slayer. am Night Slayer, and I read their Murder eyes. Them. And then they die tetanus. I want you to afterwards, you do like a little hip hop routine, but like the joke of it is that they, they, they're not able to see you making a mockery of them. Right. Because you just spooned their eyes out. Well, there you go. What will your uh, circular be? Mine would be Whistling Mary. Whistling Mary? Something that sounds like an old folk tale. Oh, right. And I walk up behind you whistling the In like tune. a bridal gown. In a bridal gown, for sure. For sure. Like a white umbrella. Yeah. Oh, totally. A parasol. And when I pull the handle of the parasol... It's a dagger, a poisoned a dagger. A poisoned dagger. And I stab people. And you stab people. And that is somehow our animals are badass segment. I don't know how we went from animals are badass to poison dagger. Poisoned parasol. But I, dagger. I'm not sad about it. Yeah. I'm really not sad about it. I guess the conclusion to come to is that animals are as scary as we think they are. Yeah, well, they're and just as scary as us. What, what's they called the supreme killer? Killer supreme is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> I love it. Killer Supreme is just going to be taking them out on the regular. Yep. In his zoot suit. In his zoot suit. Yeah. On that very odd, weird note, <laughs> we're going to segue into our... Hey, we, we all feel weird, weird sometimes. Yeah. This is the segment where we have asked people to send in their problems or questions they might have for us, and we are going to attempt to answer them in the best way possible. Yeah. As Will's culture would say, sort of an agony ant. An agony aunt. Isn't that a thing? Yeah. Ours is like, listen up, Ruth, or something. I don't know. Listen up, Ruth. No, it's so wrong. Right. But nice. I, don't, I don't know what it is. Ruth. But yeah, so we're, we're going to just answer the questions that you guys have pressing on your minds. Yes. By the way, we get all of our questions from our email, crashonmycouchshow at gmail.com, or from voicemails that have been left at 424 Two six couch. That's four two four two six two six eight two four. So if you want to be part of the podcast, or if you want to ask us a juicy ass question, you can ask it on either the email or the voicemail, depending on if you're introverted or extroverted, or if you want your voice to be heard. You yes, know? and we we encourage impressions. Yes, we super duper encourage impressions. In fact, that's what we talked about last episode. We want your Batman voice. We want your Sean Connery. Let us know when it happens. Okay, so our first question comes from Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Jordan. She says, hey, Arden Will. First of all, I'm a big fan, part of the garden and a loyal rosebud. Oh, thank you. My question is, have you ever battled with depression or anxiety? If you have, how did you overcome it? If you haven't, how would you help someone like me overcome it? I've been battling both for years, and I would love to hear someone else's opinion. Thanks for doing this, and I'll see you all soon on YouTube. Thank you, Jordan. You know, this is a tough topic because, personally, I don't necessarily suffer with depression. I do, however, feel like I meet a lot of people that suffer with the same thing in the industry that I'm in and in the creative fields that we yeah, run about totally. in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I have had bouts of depression in my life. And uh, I guess it's one of those things where, like, can you really get over depression? Yeah. I don't really know. I think if, if you suffer from it, it's kind of one of those things you have to learn to to deal with in your life but i guess you you become more aware of what affects you what gets you down what gets you to that 
that state of mind. So I think probably just being aware of what makes you depressed or, or if you're situationally depressed, like how do you get to that point? And then hopefully if you work that out, then you can, I guess, try and avoid it or minimize it moving forward. Yeah. Because I know, like, the only time I get depressed is if it's situational depression. Mm. And 95% of the time, it's, like, when we have to do long distance or something. But I think also knowing, like, I'm speaking to this as someone who doesn't necessarily suffer with this. But I know, like, with family members that do, knowing that it's a medical condition and not something that you brought upon yourself or not something that you're being, like, punished with in a way. Like, you are not motivated enough, so you – here's some – bam, here's some depression. That's not how it works. It's a medical condition. It's something you are – it's predetermined by your genetics that you will be a depressive person if you are. Yeah. Obviously, you can be in situational depressive states where things are not going well in your life or you're in an awkward situation or whatever it is. But 95% of the time, if you're a person who feels like they have bouts of depression relatively regularly – it's genetics, and it's something that you cannot help. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where if you do suffer from it and you, you have symptoms like you're losing weight and you, you're feeling unmotivated to do stuff, you know, in the worst case scenario, like, you're contemplating suicide. Like, I guess all of those are symptoms of, of this illness, you know, kind of just like a, a sneeze or a cough. It's a symptom, and it's I think it's important to recognize that because, I guess, with depression, it's a, it's a term which is thrown around a lot. Like, oh, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, but people that really are depressed it's this really really difficult difficult thing so it's important to recognize if you are depressed that those are symptoms of your illness and if you can try and recognize that maybe you can try and capitalize on it and feel a little bit better yes you feel suicidal but you're feeling suicidal because you have this thing and this is why you're feeling this way and that's hard to kind of recognize Yeah. And the other issue is that it's very hard for people with depression to feel understood by people who don't have depression. For so long, we heard adages like, oh, we'll just get over it. Or like, just get out of the house. You just need to get out of the house. You need to like get some some sunshine. It was a very inadequate way to deal with something that is an illness. It's like breaking your leg. You would never tell someone that broke their leg to walk it off. Yeah. Just like you would never tell a depressive person to run outside and go go frolic among the bunnies or whatever. cheer up. Yeah, cheer up. That seems like the worst thing you could possibly do. But I think it's really great nowadays that people are are aware of that. Like, I find that most people who have issues with depression or anxiety, a large safe haven for them is the internet. Because you can talk candidly about things that are weighing heavy on your mind. You know, and I think, like, it also provides a forum for people that have issues to talk with, with other people who have issues. And it makes you feel like you're not alone because you're not alone. And depression is a huge thing that affects so many people worldwide and it's not a joke and it is a mental illness and we do need to take it seriously and i think the internet is helping that become more apparent yeah and there's nothing wrong with admitting that you have it so i think in order to to overcome or help yourself with depression there's probably a few things you could probably do for me whenever i'm feeling lowest surrounding myself with people who i care about and who i feel comfortable with is an important thing Probably not alienating yourself from other people is, a, is an important thing to do if you're feeling like you're in that state of mind. Trying to get active and just doing stuff, even if you really don't want to do stuff. So, like, there are days when you're just stuck in bed and you're feeling a certain way. Then even just going to the gym is, like, kind of a victory in itself. Doing small stuff like that will help and will get you to a better place. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're aiding yourself and you're just, you know, I think for people that are... It's very severely depressed. Having to leave your room or your bed is is something to to overcome. It's a difficult thing. So trying to stay on top of that and making sure you're you're keeping active and doing stuff is is good. Also, you know, like fitness and stuff like that is known to make you you feel better and you feel maybe yeah. it clears your head. And... Well, yeah, and once again, I never want to give advice seemingly from out of nowhere since I don't really experience depression. But one thing that I have heard from every online forum, every Reddit forum that I've read about this is that working out does help like with anxiety as well because i know she mentioned anxiety in the question working out and being active and eating healthy and all of those things help you because chemically your body can be balanced once you have been able to like do the things your body needs taking care of yourself i think is like maintaining a schedule yeah because i think a lot of times with depression it's like i don't want to shower i don't want to brush my hair i don't want to whatever the thing is it's like this like big obstacle of taking care of yourself yeah eat food 
try your best to get out of the house, take a shower, treat yourself well because you deserve better than letting yourself go away. And I think I think that's a huge thing. And as far as anxiety goes, I mean, I don't necessarily – the only time I could say that I ever suffered with anxiety is when in, like, extreme emotional torment. Yeah. So I, I'm not one of those people that struggles daily with anxiety. And I don't know if you do either. Do you no, struggle with anxiety really, very often? No. no. But from what I've heard of my friends, because a lot of my friends suffer with anxiety, it seems like I think preparation is really important and not getting in your own head. Because a lot of what my friends experience in anxious situations is preparing for something and feeling like everything's going to go wrong. And then you have a panic attack. And that's like a terrible chain of events. But I think knowing where you're going, planning out your day, doing everything that makes you feel comfortable, having a ritual in the morning. All of those things help you to feel like you can take on a day. Yeah. And I think that's really important as well. Yeah. So take care of yourself. Make sure that you're allowing yourself to get out and do things. And I guess allowing yourself your own bit of time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's important to recognize that you're not feeling good and you should. You can have downtime. Yeah. Everyone's allowed downtime. The issue is when you allow your downtime to be your all the time. Mm. In those events, just try. Mm. Try to take a shower that day. That's all you have to do. It's one step at a time, and that's all that anyone can ask of you. And all you can ask of yourself, really. Obviously, we are not professionals, but if you are someone that actually suffers with suicidal thoughts, please call 1-800-273-8255. Medical attention is always important. Definitely talk to your doctors, talk to your therapist, make sure that you're getting the best care that you have, and just be educated in your struggle and make sure you're getting the best care you possibly can. Thank you so much for your question. Yeah, thank you. I hope we answered it in some facet, but I think it might be time to move on to another one. Yeah. Hi, Will and Arden. Um, my brother killed my gerbil by accident about 10 years ago, and I still can't forgive him. Any help? Thanks. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much for your question. First of all, maybe you have a problem with holding grudges. <laughs> because that was 10 years ago. <laughs> I understand if someone, like, ran over your dog or your child, but 10 years is a long time. Yeah. Gerbils come and go. I mean, without going into too much detail, how did he kill the gerbil? That's was, the thing. Was he just, like, an average, oops, I stepped on him? Oh, my goodness. You know, like, yeah, and how old was he? Because, like, I remember when I was younger, I had three gerbils, loved them to death. I was a huge animal fanatic when I was younger, even though I was terrible at taking care of them. And one time my mom, and I guess I'm still bitter about this. I can't lie. So maybe 10 years is an appropriate amount of time. But my mom committed a gerbil massacre. Like, there was a genocide of gerbils. Why? I had three gerbils. I think their names were Eeny, Miny, Mo. I'm not even kidding. And That's I had, so cute. I, I know, right? And already, when I first got these gerbils, I, just to preface this story, my sister killed two of them before they even had a cage. She stepped on them because you know Harper. Harper's my little sister, yeah. and she's a huge klutz. I love her to death, but she's a huge klutz. Or she was when she was younger. I can't say she's a klutz now. She stepped on them with her little light-up door shoes. So now I'm left with these three gerbils that two of them are replacement gerbils for the original dead gerbils. Right. And I've gotten over it at this point. They're gerbils. I'm good. Although our family should probably get pinned for animal cruelty. But I have these three gerbils. I'm off at school. I've had them for about three months. Yeah. And, I, and I love them deeply. And they're super cute. They have, like, really silky black fur. And they live in this big cage that has these wheels. And they play in it. And I used to love hanging out with them. So I leave for school. And I come home. And I run up to my room, excited to play with my gerbils. And my cage is gone. And I was like, what? So I go down to talk to my mom. And my mom was like, oh, I left them outside. And I was like, why did you leave them outside? And she was like, I just wanted them to have some fresh air. Huh. So weird. Robin Ricks was up to something fishy. So I go outside to go check my cage. And I can't find my gerbils. There's no movement in the cage. I am utterly confused. And I look a little bit closer and I make out three distinct gerbil-shaped pancakes. No. And I'm not kidding when I say my gerbils got melted in the sun. That Straight up. Is probably one of the most upsetting things I've ever heard. Dehydrated. Like a piece of beef jerky. That is disgusting. You need to stop going with the imagery. 
The beef jerky was horrific. I'm so sorry. Like, furry beef jerky. Oh, my gosh. And you know what? The craziest part was, it was definitely murder. It was definitely intentional. Because the water bottle that you normally keep with a rodent, you know, with the little metal ball they can suckle on and get water if they're, you know, dehydrated in the sun. It was completely empty. And I'm not kidding when I say it was dusty. Maybe your mom is the supreme killer killer supreme prairie prairie, prairie dogs when we next to your mom she'll like unzip herself and it's a walking prairie dog (laughs) it's just it's the the supreme killer and she's been keeping me alive her young by killing all the other she's been masking herself as and so she had to kill the gerbils as your mother (gasps) oh my god we figured it out will that's amazing Oh that's, so, that's so upsetting, though. I know. And you know what? After What a horrific and scarring thing to see as a kid. And I kind of, I mean, maybe this is why I'm S- less sympathetic than most. Yeah, I know. But no, I, after it was done, I was like, I need to go ask my mom what's up. But here's the thing about my mom. My poor mom. She had three, four kids. Oh, my God. I'm just like forgetting about my little sister. She had four kids and she would take them all to school. And like her alone time was being able to nap on the couch without anyone bothering her. Right. Until we all came home from school. So clearly what she had done was take my cage, put it outside, went to go take a nap, woke up to us coming home, and then seeing that she had unintentionally murdered three of my pets. Mm. And I don't blame her for it. She didn't really give a shit. I mean, she obviously felt bad. I think she felt bad. But uh, it stuck with me for a little while. Right. And it more so stuck with me that it was possible that they could turn into pancakes so quickly. Why do you keep referring to them as pancakes? Because they were so flat, Will. That's disgusting. They were so flat. Why were they so flat? I don't know. It's burned in my mind. I have no idea, but I can see them when I sleep. That is awful. Yeah. So, so basically, case in point, to bring it home to the original question, how do you forgive him? It's been 10 years. <laughs> he only killed one of your pets. Arden is harnessing three pets here. She is. I've got it worse than you. She is holding some resentment. No, I think I've just learned to let it go, let it go, so that I don't think about the corpses of the ones I've lost. Right. That sentence there sounded like you were like an old lady reminiscing on her past. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Same diff. So, so on that note, forgive and forget, because let's be honest, you're. Homo sapien relationships are more important than your rodent relationships. Forgive and forget. That's yes. what this is. This is what the whole podcast has le- led up to at this point. Forgive and We've forget. We've spoken about you know prairie dogs, and now to the conclusion. Exactly, the conclusion we've come to is forgive and, and forget. forget. Thank you. I feel like I need to clap for you after that. <laughs> um, do we have time for any more questions? Hi, Will and Arden. My name is Haley, and I'm calling because I have a problem. And it's kind of a dumb problem. I don't think I've ever been in love. Actually, I know I've never been in love. I don't know why I don't open myself up in relationships, but I get kind of terrified and self-conscious and afraid. And now I sound like a dating show reality contestant who can't let her guard down. But I'm 22 years old, and I feel like I should have had that aha moment with someone at this point. How do I be fearless with love when there's so much to lose? I really appreciate it. Arden, your videos are incredible. And Will, your monthly playlist on Spotify get me through work every day. So thank you to you both. Bye. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thank you, Haley, first of all. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing question. And your voicemail was so interesting. I love the way she talks. I want to hear her do a podcast. <laughs> so boiling it down, how to be fearless in love. Because mm. it's scary. Like, nowadays, it's particularly scary because people are so quick to just not only judge your physical appearance because of the readiness of, like, Tinder and Yeah, I mean, like, I guess if you jump back 50 years ago, like, it was more common for you to just, like, marry for the sake of marrying to have that kind of stability in your your life. But now, like, I guess that's quite archaic and, like, we as humans want to find our soulmates now. Yeah. Being in your 20s and dating. You're not trying to settle down with someone. You're not looking for that. You're looking for someone who is going to be your best friend and your soulmate. Yeah, which is a lot of pressure. So there's increased pressure, yeah. Yeah, pressure on yourself and pressure on that other person to be perfect, which no one is. Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest things I can say. I think also to tie back to the back in the day thing, gender roles were so prevalent back in the day. So you knew where you stood. Like you were a good housewife 
or you were a good husband. Yeah. Like you could go out, make ends meet, come home and know that your wife was taking care of the household and the kids. Yeah. And now with the bashing of gender stereotypes, we don't really have that anymore. So no one really knows in a weird way, other than just being a singular awesome person with another singular awesome person that can handle their shit just yeah. as well as you can. There's not like a reason necessarily to hook up and mate other than to have children. Before, it was a stability thing. It was like knowing that you had someone else that could take care of you and whatever. And it's the same way now in, that, in a similar sense. And I don't think that's completely abolished. But I think it's even harder nowadays, like you said, because you are trying to find someone that's your other half. That's yeah, it. and I, I think, like, even though she's never been in love, it's important to, like, recognize that at least you know what it's like not to be in love. Mm-hmm. So when you eventually meet someone and you're like, wow, this person's great, then at least, I guess, you know. Because yeah. you know what it feels like not to like someone. Yeah, and love is such an arbitrary wor- word. I think that 95% of the time, you're not going to go on a date with someone and just go, like, Yes, 100%, I would marry you tomorrow. Yeah. That just doesn't happen because people are so much more realistic now. Like, you can plan things out. You need to meet their family. You need to know their backstory. And I think that image of love being this one-stop shop, like, oh, you see someone, you connect, done, is a falsehood that's been created through media. And you have to realize that you just have to, like, find people you gel with. Yeah. Like, the person you marry could be the person that you – like hung out with once in fourth grade didn't see again until like seven years later you guys randomly meet and he's cute and handsome now yeah and real nice and takes care of everything yeah like you never know who that person is right and i think from what your voicemail said it sounds like you're scared of entertaining the idea of people because you're worried they're not going to live up to the expectations or you're not going to live up to the expectations yeah and if it is a personal insecurity that you're not going to live up to someone else's expectations what you have to realize is that your being as a person is going to be perfect for someone. Even your insecurities, even the things that you don't necessarily like about yourself. It, when you find the right person to be with you, whether they're okay with those things or not, they'll find a way to mesh with you that will feel like the perfect relationship. Because that's what relationships are nowadays. It's not about finding someone perfect. It's about finding someone that works and is willing to work with you. Relationships are are work. Like, you need to find someone who's not only going to be a great partner to you, but someone who will relate to you on the same things, but also challenge you and make you an interesting person. And, you know, there's never that person right right after you meet them the first time. Yeah. Or right after you have that maybe two or three dates. You have to build something with someone. Of course. And so I think part of that is kind of putting your heart out on the line and being okay with with a little bit of failure so that you can experience something. Yeah. And I think, you know, when like you're on the first date with someone, you know if this is something which has legs or if it's something that doesn't have legs. Yeah. Or if it's something you want to have legs. So I think being open to to anything. Yeah. And I think it's also about allowing yourself to take baby steps. So when you have that first date, don't give yourself an ultimatum like this person is it or this person isn't. Take it on a second date. Yeah. And if the second date still feels good, take it on a third date. And eventually, you got a relationship. You got there. Boom. I think that's what you got to do. You got to take the pressure off yourself. Yeah. It's harder to do than say, but I think it's the only way you'll find someone that's really good for you instead of what you imagine is good for you. Yeah. So I hope that good. answered your question nice a little bit. That was good. I feel like we rounded that out well. Yeah. Not too shabby. Thank um, you for your question, though. That was, that was a good one. Yeah, thank you so much. That was a great one to discuss. Also, once again, I loved your voice. <laughs> and on that note, this is the end of episode two. two. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening today. Yeah, thank you for listening to... I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our uh, slightly... batshit crazy conversation about the Ultra Supreme <laughs> Prairie Dog Leader, as well as um, Arn's mum being that Ultra Supreme <laughs> Prairie Dog Leader. I can't believe you so so quickly and so accurately segued that yeah yeah thank you guys so much for tuning in i'm glad you guys stuck with us i know this is kind of a weird episode but isn't that the best part about this podcast is that we will get weird with you yeah oh we'll, we'll talk about penile but we'll transplants also go, we'll go gerbils we will and we'll also talk about go go gadget penises yeah like exactly no one's stopping go go gadget penis helicopter 
this podcast is just it holds no bounds. No, it does not. Once again, make sure to subscribe on iTunes for more episodes and make sure to rate us and leave a review so you can let us know how we're doing. If you would like a chance to hear yourself on the show or hear your message read on the show, make sure to email us at crashonmycouchshow at gmail.com or call us at 424-26-COUCH. That's 424-262-6824. You can leave us a voicemail there if you're feeling bold and uh, ask us some questions. Yeah. Let us know what you want us to talk talk about next and we will see you guys for the next episode thank you for listening thanks for listening see you guys later thanks to our executive producer tim street producer emma kakuchi my manager byron ashley and for production assistance from alan ortega this podcast is a production of authentic more info and advertising in this show this is authenticshows.com 